Good afternoon and welcome to Forest Fires. My name is John Clark. There are certain concepts and ideologies that seem to transcend borders, that defy the limitations of language, and apply almost universally to members of the human race. One of these universal philosophies is commonly referred to as the Golden Rule. Growing up in a Southern Baptist Church family, I was taught that the Golden Rule was not only a foundational element of my faith, but also of life itself. While different versions of the Judeo-Christian Bible use different words, I was taught that the golden rule was, quote, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, end quote. In other words, if you wouldn't like it done to you, don't do it to other people. And it sounded like a sound philosophy. Many people assume that this philosophical ideology it originated with the Judeo-Christian teachings. But like so many other things that are a part of the Christian faith, the origins of the Golden Rule, they predate the birth of Christ and likewise long predate the organization of the faith or the religion. In the 1950s, Norman Rockwell, an artist famous for his quaint, old-fashioned, and often idealistic images of Americana, he started work on a project about the universal adherence to the golden rule. Rockwell was quoted as saying, quote, the thing is that all major religions have the golden rule in common, not always the same words, but the same meaning, end quote. And Rockwell was right. Religions, philosophical teachings, and moral codes covering the globe and literally across thousands of years, they've all echoed these same principles. For example, in the early Buddhist text, the Yudan Varga, which predates the earliest Christian text, by the way, by about six centuries, followers are told, quote, hurt not others with that which pains yourself, end quote. Likewise, in the Hindu Mahabharata, again, a book much older than the earliest draft of the Judeo-Christian Bible, it stated, quote, this is the sum of duty. Do not to others, which if done to thee, would cause thee pain, end quote. In the Islamic traditions, it is provided, quote, No one of you is a believer until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself, end quote. Perhaps the oldest reference to a golden rule philosophy that I've been able to find is in Confucius's Analects, which provides, quote, Do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you, end quote. Even in indigenous and American oral traditions, versions of the golden rule can still be found. In the Iroquois Six Nation Great Law of Peace, it's provided that, quote, respect for all life is the foundation for all life, end quote. So what does any of this have to do with you or your recovery? Or more importantly, why the hell am I talking about it on an addiction recovery podcast? Well, I can assure you that this isn't a theology lecture, nor is it intended to browbeat anyone into believing in any particular way. As I said in the beginning of this podcast, there are certain concepts, certain ideas and philosophies that transcend their very origins 
or perhaps their intended purpose. You have to recognize and acknowledge and understand that the basis of the golden rule has absolutely nothing to do with religion or with faith. It has to do with respect for our fellow human beings. It's a rule, if you will, that allows us all to play together in the universal sandbox without someone getting their feelings hurt. But history, experience, and any news cycle that you watch will show you that people, countries, governments, they all get their feelings hurt. And the primary reason for this is that they perceive that they've not been treated fairly or with reasonable respect. At the end of the day, none of us can control what another person thinks or how they behave. But what we do have control over is how we behave. It's long been said that the disease of addiction is a selfish one. During active addiction, many of us believe that we're only hurting ourselves. But what we come to find out is that this is a limited and ignorant perspective. In recovery, often for the first time, many of us begin to become aware of the true level of our devastation that we inflicted upon the people that surround us. When we were in active addiction, and when we lied, when we cheated, or when we stole, many of us believed that all we had to do was apologize to get our way out of trouble. At worst, we knew that we would face some repercussions for our action, but if we admitted it, they'd pass. What we failed to realize then, and what it takes many of us years to realize, is that while we were in the throes of our active addiction, our actions, everything that we did, impacted far more than what was immediately evident to us. When we lie to someone that we love or to someone that trusts us, we impact their ability to not only trust us ever again, but if and how they ever trust anyone again in their life. When we steal from someone, it's not just about the specific item that's lost. An underlying trust is destroyed and the victim of your theft well, they may find themselves constantly on guard in the future. When we cheat or manipulate someone that we love or care about, we not only impact our direct relationship with that person, but how that person is able to navigate partnerships and relationships for the rest of their life. That's why the 12 steps suggest that we perform a full and complete moral inventory and admit the exact nature of our wrongs not just what we did wrong. During real recovery, we must start looking at the real impact of our choices, of our decisions, and of our actions. The 12 steps asks us to specifically identify the things that we've done wrong and to the people that we've hurt. It's not enough for us just to acknowledge that we've been selfish or even hurtful. We must identify the exact nature of our wrongs. We can't simply say that I'm sorry I lied to you, but rather, I'm sorry that the lie that I told you caused you to distrust me and question every relationship with every person that you would ever have after me. It's not enough to say that I'm sorry that I cheated on you, but rather, I acknowledge that my actions were hurtful, that they were wrong, that they were disloyal, and that because of my choices, you've lost all trust in me and potentially lost trust in any relationship hereafter. The impact of the disease of addiction, it's physical 
It's emotional, it's mental, and it's spiritual. For those that are directly impacted by addiction, no part of us is spared. But likewise, for the people that surround us, our loved ones, our friends, our co-workers, and even our acquaintances, they can't avoid the shrapnel of our actions or of the disease either. As mentioned earlier, selfishness is a common, if not universal, symptom of addiction. The selfishness of this disease, it leaves us incapable of caring for ourselves in the way that we really need to. In many cases, the substances that we consume, they're efforts on our part to care for ourselves, a medication, if you will. But this is a classic case of self-medication where the medicine is more harmful than the underlying sickness. Not only do we lose the ability to care for ourselves adequately, but we also lose the ability to care for other people. Now, some of you are going to take offense to that phrase. Because for you, even during the worst parts of your disease, you went to work every day, you put money in the bank, and you provided for your family. And my response to you and my response to that is good for you. But I don't care how many hours you worked or how good your stock portfolio looked or how much money you gave the people that you claim to love. It doesn't mean you were there to give them the care that they really needed and really deserved. Yes, keeping the lights on and food on the table, that's important, but that's not all there is to life. And it's certainly not all there is to the relationships in your life. Beyond losing the ability to care for ourselves and to care for others, many of us lack, or at least lose, the ability to accept the care and the love of other people. Well, the reasons behind why we can't accept love or care they're as different as all the members of the 12-step community. Perhaps you've been taught that asking for help is a sign of weakness. Perhaps your history has shown you that trusting another person is dangerous. Or perhaps you simply feel that all the bad things that you've done as a result of your disease or of your addiction, they make you unworthy of the care or of the love of other people. Now, if that last one is the case, remember, that's shame talking. Shame is and always will be one of the most powerful weapons that the disease of addiction has to use against you. If you're carrying the heavy baggage of shame, or if you are so self-absorbed by the selfish needs of your disease, it's hard to imagine that you or anyone else could ever live by the principles of the golden rule. Simply speaking, when we're in active addiction, we put our disease, we put our need, we put our addiction above anything and everyone else. We lie, cheat, steal, manipulate, and we emotionally abuse the people that are around us. And I don't care how nice of a drunk or addict you think you were. If you are or ever have been in the grips of an active addiction, you didn't treat people well, or at least not as well as they could have been treated had you not been in active addiction. Now, that's not to say that when we're in active addiction or active alcoholism that we never did any nice things, because I know plenty of us that did. But if we're honest with ourselves, most of the times that we ever did something nice for someone else, we made a note of it. We made a note so that we could use it as a sort of get out of jail free card should we ever need it in the future. The truth is, 
Not one of us would ever want to be treated as we treated other people during the worst parts of our active addiction. Not one of you that's listening to this podcast wants to be lied to. You don't want to be stolen from, and you don't want to be emotionally abused, especially by someone that you care about. Now, feeling like you might deserve to be treated badly and then wanting it, well, those are two very different things. We may deserve it or feel like we do, but we certainly don't want it. In the middle of active addiction, it's almost impossible to employ the principles of the golden rule. As I alluded to earlier, during the worst parts of our disease, many of us feel as though we don't deserve to be treated well, or even with human respect or dignity. When something negative happens in our life, we say, well, I guess I deserved that, or I guess that was some type of karma. Now, as much as we might say this in private or in the wee hours of the morning in our thoughts, it in no way keeps us from becoming outwardly angry about it or from using it as an excuse to go drink or use. But if you don't feel as though you deserve to be treated with kindness, love, or respect, it's almost impossible to set a reasonable benchmark for how we should treat other people. Using the principles of the golden rule, it states that we should treat other people as we would like to be treated. During the darkest days of your disease, you read this sometimes to say, we treat others how we believe we deserve to be treated. If that's your standard, it's no wonder that you fall short of the guiding philosophy of the golden rule because you think you deserve to be treated badly. Prior to almost any interaction or exchange, most of us pre-plan parts of our conversations. It's just a part of life. Don't say that you don't because you do. You think about what you're going to say to your wife, your husband, your boss, your kids, etc. You do it before phone calls, before meetings, before everything. Before you ever say a word, you often plan parts of the conversation. But beyond that, you also imagine what the other person's responses might be. So because of this, many of us approach or enter into these conversations or meetings with a presupposed result in mind. To use the language of the 12 steps, we enter into these interactions with an expectation. Now, as many of you know, expectations can and often do lead to resentments. Now, I'd love to tell everyone to stop pre-planning parts of their conversations, but guess what? It just isn't going to happen. I'm not going to stop doing it. You're not going to stop doing it. None of us are going to stop doing it. It's just a part of who and what we are as human beings. So instead of encouraging you not to plan parts of your conversation, I'm encouraging you to pre-plan those portions of those conversations and discussions with a sense of dignity and with a sense of respect for the other person, even if it's for someone that you don't really believe deserves that respect or dignity. The golden rule doesn't say treat nice people the way that we want to be treated. It says treat people the way that we want to be treated. That's people in general. And of course, that's the hardest part of this. Even in moments of anger, frustration, justified or unjustified, we have to exercise the principles of the golden rule. And I'm not suggesting that you do this for some religious implication, but because it's important to your recovery. Remember, step 10 of the 12 steps 
it encourages us to keep our side of the street clean. In other words, we have to set a reasonable standard for ourselves, and then we have to hold ourselves to that standard. If and when we miss the mark, which we all do, we have to go back and try again, or we have to go back and try and remedy the harm that we've caused. We apologize, we make amends, and then we try and change our future behaviors. We try not to make the same mistake twice. Now, in all honesty, if people treated me the way that I deserve to be treated some days, I can assure you that I wouldn't be treated very well on many of those days. But fortunately, many of the people that surround me, they do a much better job than I do with the golden rule concepts and living it every single day. And for that, I'm grateful. As human beings, we all have an innate belief that we should be treated with dignity and with respect. And we're not wrong for thinking that either. However, at times we forget that everyone else is entitled to the same respect and the same dignity that we want. And by the way, that means all people, even people that disagree with your politics, with your religion, or even those who like a college football team that just so happens to be different than the one that you like. The fact that we want and expect to be treated with respect, patience, and dignity, but we don't always believe that others should enjoy these same things, this is the primary cause of almost every single minor and major conflict in this world since the beginning of time till now. And these arguments range from which way the toilet paper should lay to disputes over fundamental human rights. In some cases, these conflicts, they lead to arguments or disagreements, but in others, all out wars take place. And it doesn't matter what issue that we're talking about either. In the end, it all boils down to whether respect and dignity has been afforded. If it hasn't, people get their feelings hurt. Over the years, I've watched a number of 12-step meetings and long-standing groups fall apart because certain members within that group, they didn't feel as though their opinions or their beliefs or their viewpoints were being respected by other members of the community. I've seen the same thing happen in sponsorship-sponsee relationships. The long and short of every relationship that you have in your life, be it professional, personal, or recovery, is we have to give everyone we meet the same kindness that we believe that we deserve. Now, if you have a problem with religion or religious ideologies, fine. That's not what this podcast is about. The golden rule doesn't take into consideration anything other than the fact that we're all imperfect human beings. By the way, if you think that you are one of the perfect people out there, you shouldn't even be listening to this podcast. Because I can promise you, I don't have anything to say to you that's going to help you. But I promise you do need help. The one universal truth that unites us in all of the 12-step rooms, in churches, in our workplaces, and anywhere across the globe is that we are all human beings. And honestly, that's really all that matters. When you start adding on information, such as race, creed, color, socioeconomics, beliefs, fellowship, etc., we're creating a flawed and subjective narrative. All that we have to remember is that we are all humans and that we all deserve respect, dignity, and kindness. So in this podcast, 
not only have I helped you and I stay sober for a few extra minutes today, I may just have solved every single problem on the planet if we'd all just follow the golden rule. Yay me. But the truth is, if just a small portion of our world population started really practicing the principles of the golden rule, can you imagine how the world would change? Can you imagine how much more calm, how much more peaceful and how much more pleasant our world would be? But sadly, chaos reigns supreme and many people don't want our world to be calm, peaceful or pleasant. And for many people, especially those in positions of influence, authority, or even power, the golden rule will never be incorporated into their daily lives. Some people have always started and will always start with the mindset that not everyone is deserving of the same respect or that some of us deserve more respect than others. The thing that most people don't pay any attention to with the golden rule is that you have to start it. In every iteration of the rule that I've been able to find, the onus is on you to first treat other people with the respect and the dignity that you would like. You can't wait around to see how they're going to treat you before you decide how you're going to treat them. Likewise, the giving of respect and dignity to another person, it's not conditioned in any way upon them giving that same respect or dignity back to you. You're not doing this because of what they do. You're doing this because it's right, not because it's what's common or even expected. Harkening back to how this concept relates to recovery and the 12 steps, remember in the serenity prayer, where it asks that we gain serenity for the things that we can't control, courage for the things that we can, and the wisdom to tell the two apart. The application of the golden rule is exactly the same. Giving another person the respect and the dignity that you would want, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to treat you with that same respect and dignity. But another person's behavior, that's out of your control. But yours, that's directly within your control. Application and the use of the golden rule in your daily life and in your daily recovery, it allows you to be in control of your emotions and in control of your behaviors in each and every situation that you encounter, even the bad ones. Research, studies, and general experience, they've all demonstrated that people that actually follow and abide by the golden rule, they're able to avoid many of life's conflicts and negative encounters. But even when they do face these negative encounters, they're better able to handle them. Remember, the 10th step asked us to inventory our behaviors each and every day. If you're following the golden rule, chances are your side of the road is pretty clean, regardless of what that other side of the road might look like. To summarize all of this, just be nice to each other. Because at the end of the day, we all want people to be nice to us. And that's as simple as it is. Give people the respect and the dignity and the love that you wish that they would give to you. And then see what happens in return. Thank you for tuning into Forest Fires. Thank you for continuing to support me and the mission of this podcast. Continue lifting each other up. Continue being a light in the darkness for those that continue to struggle with this horrible disease. And please continue to embrace, to celebrate, and to work on your personal recovery. Because without it, everything else is lost.
And as always, stay reachable, stay teachable, and stay humble. Thank you.